باب التطوع بعد المكتوبة Voluntary prayers after the maktubah, after the obligatory prayers. What does this mean? Performing voluntary prayer after performing obligatory prayer. What is tatawur? Tatawur, tawur, tawawain is the root. Tatawur is to do what is not mandatory. To do what is not mandatory. Rather to do something willingly. And you're doing it not because you have been commanded to, you have been instructed to. You're doing it, why? Out of your own will, meaning this is purely voluntary. This is the meaning of the word tatawur. Okay? Now, in the sharia, tatawur refers to the legislated acts of worship other than the obligatory ones. Okay? Legislated acts of worship other than the Obligatory ones. Okay? So the category of tatawur is very broad. Alright? So for example, when it comes to salah, what is fard in fajr? Only two rakah. What is fard in zuhr? Only four rakah. What is fard in asr? Only four. What is fard in maghrib? Only three. What is fard in isha? Only four. However, what do we do before the two rakah of fajr? Two rakah. Right? So that is what? Tatawur. What is before and after dhuhr? There is salah. What is that salah? It is tatawur. Right? What is after maghrib? Two rakah. That is tatawur. What is after isha? Two rakah. That is also tatawur. Okay? What is in the night? What is in the night? Is there salah? Yes, there is. The salatul layl. So that is also what? Tatawur. What is between fajr and zuhur? Duha or ishraq. That is also tatawur. Okay? So tatawur is any legislated act of worship, meaning there is basis for that. The Prophet ﷺ did it. He recommended it. He encouraged the people to do it. There is proof of doing that. It's legislated. It is correct to perform that act of worship. But it is not mandatory. Okay? So this is a very broad category. Now, some tatawur acts are called sunnah. Other tatawur acts are called sunnah mu'akkada, ghair mu'akkada, mandub, ghair mandub. You understand? And some other tatawur acts are called nafila. Some are called ratiba, right? Sunan ratiba. So all of the voluntary acts of worship, they're known as tatawur. Okay? Now remember that there are degrees of tatawur. Some acts of tatawur are highly recommended, meaning there's great reward associated to that. And some other acts, they are of less significance, but they're still legislated. They still bring reward. Now, the ruling of tatawur is, tatawur in general is, that the one who performs tatawur is praised, meaning he's rewarded. And the one who does not perform tatawur, he leaves it. Then what happens to him? What happens to him? Is he sinful? No, he's not sinful. Okay? Remember this rule. Any tatawur. Any tatawur. Performing it is rewardable. 
leaving it is not sinful. It is not sinful. Okay? However, a person should remember that while there is no sin in leaving tatawur, there is definitely loss. There is definitely loss. What is that loss? You're depriving yourself of doing something that the Prophet ﷺ did regularly or he recommended. Or there's great reward associated with that. Right? So there is loss. And there's also risk. What is that risk? You see, in a hadith in Abu Dawood, we learned that on the day of judgment, the first thing about which the people will be called to account will be salah. So the first matter which people will be questioned about on the day of judgment is what? Salah. So in hadith we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to the angels that look at the prayer of my servant and see whether he has offered it perfectly or imperfectly. Is it complete or incomplete? Did he perform all the prayers that he was required to perform in his lifetime or did he not? Is there something missing? If it is perfect, that will be recorded as perfect. Meaning if it's complete, recorded as complete. But if it is defective, meaning let's say the person was required in his lifetime, right, the years that he lived, he was required to pray, let's say, 20,000 prayers, for example, okay, in his entire life. But instead of 20,000, what does he have? 18,000. Where did the other 2,000 go? He forgot or he was careless, he was, he barely performed it correctly, right? Or he did not perform it at all. He left it for whatever reason, out of laziness or whatever reason, he left it. So those 2000, how is that requirement going to be fulfilled? So if the prayer is defective, it is incomplete, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, Unzuru halli abdi min Look, see, are there any voluntary prayers of my servant? Meaning, did he perform any voluntary prayers? If he did, then those voluntary prayers will compensate for what was missed of the obligatory prayers. You understand? So, voluntary prayers, what do they do? They safeguard your obligatory prayers. In this world and in the hereafter. How in this world? In this world, if you are in the habit of performing voluntary prayers, you cannot be careless about your obligatory prayers. There's no way. Right? And in the hereafter, how? That if your obligatory prayers are incomplete, then what will compensate for those prayers which are missing? Voluntary prayers. You understand? So, even though... Performing voluntary prayers, salatu tatawur, is not mandatory. Leaving it is not a sin, but leaving it is definitely a loss and a risk. Because if the prayers are not complete on the day of judgment, that means a person has not passed the first exam. You understand? To pass a certain exam, what do you have to do? What do you have to do? You have to have the minimum mark. Isn't it? And if you don't have that minimum mark, that means you can't pass that test. If you can't pass, you cannot move to the next step. So the first matter that people will be held accountable for 
is salah. And if salah is deficient, if the matter of salah is not complete, then a person is in trouble. Great trouble. So safeguard your prayers by performing voluntary prayers. Now here specifically, Imam Bukhari is mentioning performing voluntary prayers after obligatory prayers. Okay? حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا يحيى بن سعيد عن عبيد الله قال أخبرنا نافع عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال صليت مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم سجدتين قبل الظهر Ibn Umar reported that I prayed two sajdas, meaning two rak'ah salah, with the Prophet ﷺ before zuhur. وَالسَّجْدَتَيْنِ بَعْدَ zuhur And two rak'at after zuhur. Again in this narration we learn about two. وَالسَّجْدَتَيْنِ بَعْدَ الْمَغْرِبِ Two rak'at after maghrib. وَالسَّجْدَتَيْنِ بَعْدَ الْعِشَاءِ Two rak'at after isha. وَالسَّجْدَتَيْنِ بَعْدَ الْجُمُعَةِ Two rak'at after Jumu'ah. So what is happening over here? After the obligatory salah, did the Prophet ﷺ perform voluntary prayer? Did he? Yes, he did. After Zuhr, after Maghrib, after Isha, after Jumu'ah salah. He said, فَأَمَّا الْمَغْرِبُ وَالْعِشَاءُ ففي بيته. As for Maghrib and Isha, then in his house. Meaning he performed the voluntary two rak'ah prayer after Maghrib and Isha. Where? In the masjid? No, in the house. قَالَ ابْنُ أَبِ الزِّنَادِ عَنْ مُوسَى بْنِ عُقْبَةَ عَنْ نَافِعٍ بَعْدَ الْعِشَاءِ فِي أَهْلِهِ In another narration, بَعْدَ الْعِشَاءِ after Isha فِي أَهْلِهِ in his family, meaning at his home. تَابَعُهُ كَثِيرُ Ibn Umar is reporting that my sister narrated to me, and who is his sister? The wife of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Hafsa. So she narrated, "Anna Nabiya sallallahu alaihi wasallam kana yusalli sajdatayni khafifatayn." She said that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would perform two sajda, meaning two rakat. How? Khafifatayn, very light, meaning very short. When? Baadama yatulul fajr. After the fajr was yatlu'u, meaning after dawn. وَكَانَتْ سَاعَةً After dawn, as in after the time of fajr entered. Okay? After fajr, as in yatlu'u al-fajr, meaning tulu' of fajr, as in once the fajr began. So which two rak'at is this? The two that are performed before the fard. وَكَانَتْ سَاعَةً لَا أَدْخُلُوا عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِيهَا He said, and there was an hour in which I would not come to visit the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in تَابَعْهُ كَثِيرُ بْنُ فَرْقَدْ وَأَيُّوبُ عَنْ نَافِعٍ وَقَالَ بْنُ أَبِي الزِّنَادِ عَنْ مُوسَى بْنِ عُقْبَةَ عَنْ نَافِعٍ بَعْدَ الْعِشَاءِ فِي أَهْلِهِ So from this hadith also, what do we see? Two rak'at are being performed. Now this can also be understood in another way that if Let's say a person performs two rak'ah of fajr, right? The fard. And if they were not able to perform the two sunnah before that, can they perform the two sunnah after the fard? Can they? Yes, they can. Okay? What's the proof of that? Actually, why is it that it's not allowed? In a hadith we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said to Amr bin Abasa, pray fajr, then refrain from praying until the sun has risen. So this is the hadith that prohibits us from praying after 
fajr even if the sun has not has not risen okay or or began rising in another hadith we learned the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said there is no prayer after fajr until the sun has risen fully and no prayer after asr until the sun has set but what about the person who missed his sunnah can he make those up yes he can what's the proof of that there is a hadith in which we learned this hadith is in at-tirmidhi that qais bin umar radiyallahu anhu said that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam came out when the iqama for the salah had been given meaning he came out iqama was given iqama had already been given so basically as soon as he came in what did he do he led the people in prayer so i prayed i prayed fajr with him and then when he finished i prayed two rak'at so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam found me praying and he said take it easy o qais two prayers together meaning why are you praying now fajr has been performed why are you praying now so qais said o messenger of allah i did not pray the two rak'at before fajr so in one narration we learned the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was silent and what does the silence mean approval right so this means that it was correct for qais radhiyallahu anhu to make up his sunnah after the fard all right in another narration we learned the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said no then now what does that mean meaning then there is nothing wrong in you praying these two rak'at after your fard meaning it's okay okay so in one narration we learned there was a response which also approved in another narration we learned there was silence which also approved So again we see that there is nothing wrong in making up the sunnah after the fard. Bab man lam yatatawwa' ba'da al-maktuba. Someone not performing voluntary prayers after the obligatory ones. Okay? First we learned the importance of praying tatawwa' after fard. But what if a person does not pray that tatawwa'? There is no sin in that. حدثنا علي بن عبد الله قال حدثنا سفيان عن عمر قال سمعت ابا الشعثاء جابرا قال سمعت ابن عباس رضي الله عنه قال صليت مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ثمانيا ابن عباس said that i prayed with the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam eight rak'at jami'an together wasab'an jami'an and seven together which salah is that Eight and seven? Hmm? What's going on? قلت يا أبا الشعثاء أظنه أخر الظهر وعجل العصر. So Amr, the narrator, he said that I said to Abu Shatha that I think that he delayed Zuhr and prayed Asr early. That's how it was eight. وعجل العشاء وأخر المغرب. And he prayed Isha early and delayed Maghrib. So that's how it was seven. قَالَ وَأَنَا أَظُنُّهُ He said, I think so too. Okay. Now, what does this hadith mean? These eight rak'at are referring to the four of Zuhr and four of Asr. And the seven is referring to the three of Maghrib and four of Isha. So what's happening over here? Prayers are being combined. But they're being performed in full. So this means that this was not during travel. You understand? This was not during travel because in travel what do you do? You join the prayers and you also shorten them. So what does this hadith tell us? Something that I mentioned to you earlier also that 
in situations of extreme need, it is correct for a person to join prayers. And which prayers would you join? Dhuhr and Asr, Maghrib and Isha. Okay? Instead of leaving them completely, you should not leave them at all. Okay? Don't leave them. But what can you do? You can join them. This should not be a habit. This should not be an everyday thing or an every other day thing. No. Sometimes in situations of extreme need, you can join prayers. Okay? Now, why is Imam Bukhari mentioning this hadith over here? Because the thing is that when you join prayers, so you pray Zuhur and Asr together. You're joining them. What did Ibn Abbas say? That the Prophet ﷺ, I prayed eight rak'at with him. Jami'an. What does that mean? That the fard of Zuhur were followed by the fard of Asr. Where did the sunnah go? Where did the sunnah of Zuhur go? They weren't performed over here. You understand? So remember this rule. When you're joining prayers, you have to pray them one after the other with nothing else in between. Okay? You have to pray them one after the other with nothing else in between. Not even the sunnah ratiba. Okay? Of course, when you're traveling, you don't perform the sunnah ratiba. Isn't it? When you're traveling, you don't perform the sunnah, you just perform the fad. Right? But when you're in your city, you're not traveling, you are at home. So for example, let's say, you prayed asr, you were so tired, you fell asleep. Now what happened? You woke up when it was isha time. Okay? So now, or isha time is just beginning. So then what do you do? You perform maghrib, and with that you perform isha. Let's say there was an emergency situation, right? Somebody's in the hospital, and you have to be there with them by their side constantly, and you only have a few minutes to go and pray. So in that situation, you're joining your prayers. You're performing Maghrib and Isha together. So then what are you going to do? You're going to pray three fard and then two sunnah, and then four fard and then two sunnah? No. You're going to pray Maghrib, three fard, Isha, four fard, okay? Because when you're joining, you pray nothing in between. Okay? Remember this rule. However, you can perform the sunnah ratiba after completing the prayer. Okay? So for example, you perform the three of Maghrib, four of Isha. Now that you're done, can you perform two sunnah of Maghrib? Yes. And then followed by two sunnah of Isha? Yes, you can. Clear? Assalamu You mentioned different kind of tatawa. Tatawa. Mm-hmm. Would you mention the categories of tatawa prayer? Um, I didn't go into the detail. I just mentioned the the different terms that are used. All right. So, for example, sunnah mu'akkada, sunnah ghair mu'akkada. Likewise, there is mandub. These are terms that you may have heard. Right. So, the point is that anything other than fard falls in the category of of Tatawur. Okay? Which means that you can perform it and there is great reward for that. But you can also leave it. Okay? And there is no sin in that. However, there is loss and there is risk. Okay? Bab salati duha fissafar. Performing the duha prayer in a journey. Where did that come from? Isn't this supposed to be the book of the Hajjud, 
Have you noticed something? It's the book of Tahajjud and we're talking about voluntary prayers. Why? Because first Imam Bukhari mentions the issues related to the voluntary prayer in the night and then he's mentioning issues related to voluntary prayers when? During the day. So of the voluntary prayers in the daytime is Salatul Duha also. Right? Salatul Duha, we have discussed this earlier many times. But just a quick recap, this is the prayer that is performed after the rising of the sun. It is also called Salatul Ishraq or Salatul Awabin. Okay, Salatul Ishraq, it is called Ishraq. Why? When? When Salatul Duha is performed early. Okay, meaning right after the sun has risen. Okay, once the sun has risen, then you can perform this Salah. And when you perform it at that time, it will be called Salatul Ishraq. Okay? But if you delay it, like for example by an hour or two, depending on how long the morning is, then it will be called Salatul Duha. Because you're praying it at the time of Duha. Salatul Awwabin. Why is it called Salatul Awwabin? There's a hadith in which we learn, this is in Hakim. The Prophet wasallam said that no one guards the Ishraq prayer except the one who turns to Allah repeatedly. What does it mean by that? The one who turns to Allah repeatedly. Who is he? Awwab. Right? Who is Awwab? Abba Ya'ubu is to return. So Awwab is one who returns again and again and again. So the person who performs the Ishraq prayer, why is he called Awwab? Why? Because he just performed Fajr and now he is performing Salah again. Even though there is Dhuhr prayer coming up next, but he's not waiting for that. I mean, yes, he's going to perform that. But in this gap in the middle, he is turning back to Allah. You understand? There's no fard prayer, but he is still turning back to Allah in prayer. And this is why he is called awwab. Right? This prayer is also sadaqah for every joint of the body. Right? So the time of this prayer is from when the sun rises until the time of zawal. And zawal is when the sun begins to decline after reaching its peak. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا يحيى عن شعبة عن توبة عن مورق قال قلت لابن عمر رضي الله عنهما أتصلي الضحى مورق said that I asked Ibn Umar do you pray duha? قال لا he said no I don't قلت فعمر I asked then does Umar pray? did he pray? قال لا no Umar also did not pray duha. قلت فأبو بكر then Abu Bakr, did he pray? قال لا. No, even he did not perform Salat al-Duha. قلت فالنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Did the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم perform the duha prayer? قال لا إخاله. I don't think so. On the one hand, we're learning about the importance and the benefit of performing this duha prayer. And on the other hand, we see that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم did not perform this prayer. Abu Bakr did not do it. Umar did not do it. Ibn Umar did not do it. And Ibn Umar is the one who would look for the places where the Prophet ﷺ prayed on his journeys. And if he was traveling that same road, he would stop at those places where the Prophet ﷺ had stopped years ago and he would make a point to pray salah in those places. Even though it's not required. We're, we're not required to do that. In fact, in a hadith in Bukhari, 
I mean, the details are amazing. Where Ibn Umar says that the ravine here and the ravine there and the tree here, all those descriptions are given. The Prophet ﷺ prayed here, across from that ravine, next to that ravine, close to that tree. And those landmarks are not even there anymore. Ibn Umar paid so much attention to following the sunnah. But here we see that from this hadith we learned that the Prophet ﷺ did not pray this salah. Ibn Umar did not pray the salah. Then should we do it or not? Hmm? Okay. Let's look at the next hadith. حدثنا آدم حدثنا شعبة حدثنا عمرو بن مرة قال سمعت عبد الرحمن بن أبي ليلى يقول ما حدثنا أحد أنه رأى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي الضحى غير أم هانئ He said, Abu Layla said that no one narrated to us that they saw the Prophet ﷺ performing Salatul Duha except for Ummu Hani. She's the only one who narrated this. Remember, we studied this hadith earlier also. فَإِنَّهَا قَالَتْ So she said that إِنَّ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ دَخَلَ بَيْتَهَا يَوْمَ الْفَتْحِ She said that the Prophet ﷺ entered her house on the day of the victory of Makkata. يَوْمَ فَتْحِ مَكَّةَ فَغْتَسَلَ so he took a bath, وَصَلَّى ثَمَانِ رَكَعَاتِ And then he performed eight رَكَعَاتِ فَلَمْ أَرَى صَلَاةً قَطُّ أَخَفَّ مِنْهَا She said, I have not seen any prayer lighter than that. Meaning it was very short. غَيْرَ أَنَّهُ يُتِمُ الرُّكُوعَ وَالسُّجُودِ Except that he would perfectly perform his ruku' and sujood. What happens with us is that if we are performing a prayer that is short, what do we do? What do we do? We don't perform the ruku' and the sujood. Properly, we rush through them. Barely hit the floor in sajda and get up. Before even you sit down properly, go back into sajda again. No, the Prophet ﷺ performed every step correctly with tama'nina, but the prayer was very short. Right? So from this hadith, what do we learn? That this was the only occasion where the Prophet ﷺ was seen performing salatul duha. Okay? This was the only occasion where he was seen performing Salatul Duha. So, what does that mean? Is it permissible to perform Salatul Duha? Yes, because did he pray? Yes, he did. But then, does it mean that you have to pray every day, every day, every day? If you want to make that a habit for yourself, no harm. But can you impose it on other people? No, you cannot. And if you do perform it, can you leave it sometimes? Yes, you can. Hmm? Now, some said that the Prophet ﷺ performed this prayer because of the occasion. What was the occasion? Conquest of Makkah. So that means that any time a conqueror, a Muslim ruler, conquers a land, what should he do? He should perform eight rak'at of duha. Okay? Some said that no, this was performed because he was traveling. So they said Salatul Duha is only for, for what? Safar. Only when you're traveling. Why? Because you're not really performing the sunnah after Maghrib, the sunnah after or before Zuhur. So then you feel like, you know, there's something missing. So how do you make that up? By performing eight rak'at at the time of Duha. You understand? So they said that this was for Safar. However, we learn from other ahadith as we will learn in the following hadith, Aisha radiallahu anha, where she explained that she performed salatul duha even though the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not perform it. 
And what was the reason that she gave? That he would sometimes leave certain actions out of fear that they would become obligatory on people. So even though he liked doing it himself, he would not do it regularly out of fear that everybody would have to do it then. So what's the conclusion then? What's the conclusion? Can you pray? Salat al-Duha? Yes, you can. Because it's a virtuous deed. There's many virtues associated with it. So certainly we should take advantage. Bab malam yusalli al-Duha wara'ahu wasi'an. The one who does not perform duha himself, but at the same time, ra'ahu wasi'. He sees it as a wasir, as a broad matter, meaning he sees it as something permissible. So you understand what's happening? He does not perform it himself because he doesn't think that it is necessary. However, he considers it to be permissible. حَدَّثَنَا آدَمْ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا ابْنُ أَبِي ذِئْبِ عَنِ الزُّهْرِيِّ عَنْ عُرْوَةَ عَنْ عَائِشَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا قَالَتْ مَا رَأَيْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ سَبَّحَ سُبْحَةَ الضُّحَى she said that I did not see the Prophet ﷺ perform the voluntary prayer of duha, wa inni la usabihuha, but I perform it. She's not contradicting the way of the Prophet ﷺ. She's saying that it is allowed, even though he did not perform it, for reasons. It is still something that we can perform, so I perform it. Bab salati duha fil hadab. Doing the duha prayer when one is resident. Remember earlier I said that some scholars said that salatul duha is limited to safar only. Right? But here we see that salatul duha can also be performed at home. This is not limited to safar. Okay? Qalahu itban ibn Malikin an nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Itban bin Malik, he narrated this from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Where? Remember that narration? Where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came first thing in the morning? After the sun had fully risen, Zuhr had not started. He came, he led the people in prayer in the house of Itban. So what was that salah? What would you call it? It was in the time of duha. حدثنا مسلم بن إبراهيم أخبرنا شعبة حدثنا عباس الجريري هو ابن فروخ عن أبي عثمان النهدي عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال أوصاني خليلي بثلاث أبو هريرة reported that my friend commanded me, instructed me to do three things. لا أدعهن I shall not leave them حتى أموت until I die. I'm never gonna leave them until I die. What are these three things? صومي ثلاثة أيام من كل شهر Three fasts in every month and these are the three white days. وصلاة الضحى and the duha prayer ونوم على وتر and to do witr before going to sleep. So we see that on the one hand, the Prophet ﷺ did not perform it himself, but he mentioned its virtues, right? He performed it sometimes at the occasion of the conquest and at the time when he went to Itban's house, anhu. And thirdly, we see that he instructed some companions to perform Salatul Duha. So you see here, three things. Firstly, that he mentioned its virtues. Secondly, he performed it at some occasions. And thirdly, he instructed some companions to do it. Not everybody, but some. Amongst them is who? Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. Okay, next hadith is slightly long, but it's on the same topic. But inshallah, we'll do it in our next class. Inshallah.
Okay, subhanakallahumma bihamdik, ashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.